0: Does your faith make a difference in the workplace? Is your walk with Jesus an asset in the workplace? Is it a hindrance or doesn't it make any difference at all? What would happen if my colleagues or my boss found out I was a Christian? Would I be mocked in the workplace? Will I be passed over for promotion? Will I be given all the rubbish jobs to do? Maybe it's best that when I clock in in the morning, that I park my faith at the office door and don't pick my faith up again until I clock out at the end of the day? What do you think? Where does our faith fit in the workplace? Now, these are questions Christians in the workplace wrestle with. Maybe you're wrestling with them at the moment, or maybe you know someone who is wrestling with how to express their faith in the workplace that they're in. Well, this morning we're going to explore this as we come through 1 Peter. Today's passage, we will see that as we honour God in the workplace, not only can he impact our colleagues, but he can impact us for his glory in life-changing ways. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, help us to understand what your spirit is saying to us Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So as we're moving through one Peter, let's dive in where we left off last week. We come to One Peter chapter two, verse eighteen. Slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Now this initial reading of the verse is very alarming if you think the preacher's now going to apply this to the workplace. (laughs) Does the Bible say that as an employee, I am a slave and my boss is a master, and that's how we're supposed to interact? Surely not. No way am I going to go down that track. Is that what the Bible's saying about the workplace? Well, those are valid concerns, and it's a reminder that New Testament days 2,000 years ago, some things we carry across very easily but some things we have to stop and think, well, what was the situation then, and how does it apply to us today? And that's what we're going to do. What was the situation back then, and how does it apply to us today? And so we're going to start by looking at the very first word in verse 18, which is slaves. Slaves submit. Now, the word used here is oiketeis, and it means household slave. And it's only used once in the Bible. Most of the time, we have the word doulos. And that's where most of the phrases for slave work. So we need to spend some time working out what a household slave is. And it's more than just someone who does domestic help. It's more than someone who does the laundry and keeps the place clean, cooks the food. Household slaves in Bible days could also be people that were skilled and educated people that was skilled and educated. So not just domestic help, but also tutors and teachers for the children of the household could be household slaves. Those with medical experience could be household slaves. Our tradespeople, because obviously it was the wealthy in the main that had slaves, and so if you were a wealthy farmer, you would have slaves skilled in horticultural and agriculture. And also you had... Slaves that were managing these households, managers. So there were slaves, household slaves that actually had slaves underneath them. And of course, the most famous household slave in the Bible is Joseph of Technicolor Coat fame. Let's just briefly consider Joseph as a household slave. We remember the story as an older teenager, he was sold into slavery by his brothers and was bought by an Egyptian slave owner, a very wealthy man called Potiphar. And because God was with Joseph, Joseph uh, was given more and more responsibility until we read in read in Genesis chapter 39, we read this. This is Joseph talking about his responsibilities under Potiphar. Genesis 39 verse 8. "'With me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house.' Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. It goes on to say, no one is greater in this house than I am. And so Joseph was very skilled. He'd be like a CEO or a senior manager. And he had the other slaves were under him. And we also see this in his next move, because, of course, he was thrown into prison. And there, because God was with him, he became the CEO of the prison almost, and we see this in verse 22. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Amazing. Isn't it? And so Joseph the household slave. So this has implications for us understanding back into 1 Peter. 1 Peter. What's happening there? Because What the Bible says about household slaves is saying to people who were not only domestic help, but also to those that were tradespeople, those that were professional, those that were medical, because that was how the household slaves were. And you might say to yourself, well, how did household slaves come about? How did these people, if they were skilled people, become Slaves. Well, there were two ways that household slaves were acquired. One is if someone got into debt in New Testament days, there were no bankruptcy provisions. You couldn't declare yourself bankrupt through a legal process that you can today. You either had to sell everything that you had to pay off your debt, and if that didn't wasn't enough, you then paid yourself and your family. You sold yourself and your family into slavery to pay back your debt. And so that is how some skilled people ended up being household slaves. And the other way household slaves were acquired was when Rome uh, occupied another country, when it invaded another country, it would cherry-pick the best, most skilled and educated people from that country and take them away as slaves. And so that's why when Peter writes this to Christians, some of them were household slaves, were skilled and educated, and some weren't. And so all this is by way of making a connection between slaves submit and to the modern-day workplace. Now, there are some qualifiers back in New Testament days. If you were a household cook or a teacher or managed a large estate, you were still a slave. You had zero workplace rights, and you had no opportunity to change jobs. No opportunities to change jobs. But anyway, that's the connection between slaves submit and the modern workday place. So back to 1 Peter verse 2, verse 18. Slaves submit yourselves to all your, to all your masters with all respect, uh, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Submit and respect. Now, if you remember from last week, last week we spent time looking at what it meant was to respect and submit to the government. And in a few weeks' time, we'll be looking at what it is to submit within the marriage context. And so we're in the middle of a theme here where Peter is saying, these are the situations where, as Christians, you need to submit and to respect. And so, what do you think? Is this good advice? It certainly raises questions, isn't it, if not red flags. Are we to submit in the workplace as a New Testament slaves submitted to their masters? And so this is where we need to have a look at the train of thought. Just whip back through here to, to 1 Peter. So before we get back into the detail and the application of what it is in the workplace to submit and respect, let's just finish with Peter's train of thought. Let's see where he's going with this. So he says, uh, submit and respect, and then in verse 19 he says this, For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So we're following his train of thought. Submit and respect. And if you suffer unjustly, then you are to bear it because of God. And he's really clear on this. He repeats himself in these two verses. We are commended when we suffer unjustly and bear it well because of God. We get no credit, though, if we suffer because we deserve it. He's saying, as Christians, do not behave in a way where you deserve the punishment you get in the workplace or the discipline. And then he repeats himself again, saying that we are commended if we do suffer unjustly, if we bear it because of God. Now, this bearing of suffering is a core Christian principle that is not just restricted to the workplace. It is the mark of a Christian that there are times when we suffer or are punished unjustly and we bear it well. Why? And Peter makes this very clear in the next verse, in verse 21. Why are we to bear unjust suffering? Verse 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his footsteps. This is another difficult verse, really, isn't it? What's it saying here? Let's break verse 21 down. To this you were called... To this you were called. What we were called? Well, at the end of the verse, we were called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's a wonderful definition of a Christian, really, isn't it? Christians are Christ followers. They're not just people who come to church. Uh, they're not just, to, uh, just people who adhere to a certain theological belief. They are people who follow Jesus. We are to follow Jesus. And part of what that means is that we will suffer. Now, following Jesus is filled with wonderful things. Following Jesus means that we are adopted as daughters and sons of the living God. And so following Jesus means we have open access to our Heavenly Father. Isn't that wonderful? Following Jesus means that we are free from sin. We have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Following Jesus means we have a greater purpose than ourselves. We have an awesome future and a great hope. These are all wonderful things about following Jesus, but also following Jesus means that there are times when we are called to suffer for Jesus and to suffer for Jesus. To suffer with Jesus and to suffer for Jesus. And there will be times when that unjust suffering happens to us and we bear it as Jesus did. Listen to Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, and Christians all know that, don't we? We all know that we believe in Jesus, but this last bit I think we'd rather cross out of the Bible, <laughs> but also to suffer for him. And so you can't separate the believing and the suffering. A little later on, and again in Philippians, Paul writes this I want to know Christ. Amen. I think we all want to know Christ. The second part of the verse. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Wouldn't we all love to know the power of God's resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, and allow life more and more? Amen. I'm not sure how many amens we'll get in this third bit. And to participate, or the participation in his sufferings, becoming more like him in his death. Now, one of the versions I like says, the fellowship of his sufferings. Again, that's another little bit I'd like to twink out of the Bible. But they're there. And so there's a sense where we are called to follow Jesus, and that's wonderful, and it's life-changing, and it's transforming. But just as Jesus suffered, there are times when we do. And there are times when this is very much unjust. For Jesus, there was no crown without the cross. And for us, there is no crown without the cross. And Jesus asked us, actually, to take up our cross and follow him daily. So there is a sense that the mark of a Christian is someone who, when they suffer unjustly, they bear it well, whether it be a health issue that nobody deserves, whether it be a relationship breakdown that had nothing to do with you, uh, whether it be a difficult employment place, whatever. There are times when we are called to suffer unjustly, And to bear it like Jesus. Now the rest of chapter 2 we're not going to go into today. I'm going to leave that to another time. Where Peter talks about how Jesus suffered for us. And all the wonderful benefits that this earned for us. And we're going to talk about this another time. I suppose the point I'm making is that we are called at times to suffer. And not just in the workplace. However... The workplace is our focus this morning, so let's go back to verse 18 and 19 and have a look at how we are to suffer. Now, there are three things that we're going to explore from the workplace. The first thing is we are to submit to our bosses, employers, we are to respect our employers, and we are to bear unjust suffering suffering well. So let's look at those three. In particular, let's start with... Submitting. What does submitting look like in the workplace? I mean, is it as scary as it sounds? Well, no. In the modern workplace, employment agreements make it clear what our roles and responsibilities are. Uh, We have four staff now with Catherine, and each of them have an employment agreement. And at the end of the employment agreement, there's a very clear list of tasks that each of our staff are expected to do it's agreed to, and I will, well I don't have to because they're so good, (laughs) but I ask them to do those tasks. Practically I don't, they just do them. And that's what it is to submit. You've got a clear list of of tasks and you do them to the best of your ability as to the Lord first. And there comes a time when uh, every 12 months we have a formal sort of review and we sit down and, and we negotiate if we need to, different tasks. We don't need to do this anymore, we do that. And that whole process is what it is to submit. And that's wonderful if you've got a good boss, not so good if you've got a harsh or inconsiderate boss. What the Bible sees here is not only to submit to good bosses, but also to those who may be inconsiderate. So if you have an inconsiderate boss, the expectation is that you still fulfill your roles and responsibilities as best you can. Because as I mentioned before, we work to the Lord first and our boss second. However, what if an inconsiderate boss asks you to do something outside your job description and you don't really want to do it for whatever reason? Maybe your workload is up here and you're facing burnout and things like that. Well, as long as the request doesn't break God's laws, then such requests need to be considered seriously. And if the workplace is already unhealthy, even toxic, this makes the call even more difficult. So working through that process is what it may mean, and it may mean that you do end up doing things that, that you personally don't really want to do. They don't contradict God's laws, but it means that you do them, and you do them because you're a Christian. So submitting. What about respecting? What does it mean to respect? Again, if your boss is good and considerate, then it's not really an issue. It just happens naturally, doesn't it? But what about if your boss is not good and considerate? And as a Christian, it's important not to take your frustrations out at work, not to moan about the boss or talk behind his back in the workplace context. It's not easy, but it's best to find someone else to talk to about your workplace problems when it comes to a boss you can't respect. Maybe you talk to your spouse, so be careful, because they don't want to hear that every night when you come home from work. So, But you've got other folk as well. You might have your friends, and also Christian people that you know, maybe in a Bible study home group and situations like that. So one of the other things you can do is even take initiative in a situation where the boss doesn't deserve respect and try and nudge the culture into a more healthy place. Often, bad bosses create a bad culture or even a toxic culture, and maybe God's calling you there to make a difference by behaving ethically and respectfully and supporting your colleagues who are struggling. It can be a wonderful but difficult, even mission field, to be working in a place where the boss is harsh and inconsiderate. So, let me tell you a story to help show the balance between submitting and respecting. This is a story. A newly employed receptionist took a call as her boss walked by the receptionist's desk. So she covered the mouthpiece and asked her boss whether he wanted to take the call there at the receptionist's desk or whether he wanted to take the call in his office, upon hearing about the name of the one who was on the other phone, the boss said, "Tell him I'm out of the office." The secretary paused for a moment, and, and, being a Christian, she said, "This, still covering up the handset, boss, I won't lie for you, and I won't lie behind your back. Where would you like to take the call?" Well, the boss was furious, and he stormed into his office, and he took the call while the secretary quietly put her things together because she was expecting to be fired. Notice what she did there. I think she got it 100% right, didn't she? She submitted to God first because what the boss asked her to do was unethical. You know, God tells us not to lie, and she was refusing to lie. But notice how she respected her boss. Notice how she said, Boss, I will not lie to you. And I will not lie behind your back. That is respect for her boss. Talk about courage, Talk about Christian witness. Talk about following in the footsteps of Jesus. Notice how she also expected to be fired. She was new there and she didn't really know which way her boss would go. that was her boss considerate or was he harsh? If fired, though, she was prepared to bear unjust suffering and to bear it like Jesus would. So what happened? Well, after the boss called down, he called her in, and there were words. (laughs) But there were words that were honest words between both the secretary and the boss. It turned out the boss valued honesty, and once he'd thought about it, he decided she could keep her job and they developed a very positive, close relationship. Why? Because the boss knew that she would never lie behind his back or to him, and that he knew that she respected her. However, at the end of the day, she was fully prepared to follow the example of Jesus, no matter what the outcome. Now, I want to finish here. There's a lot more that can be said, and people's employment situation is very different. I was talking to my daughter, who's a second-year doctor, in the North Shore Hospital I mentioned some of these things and it ended up being quite a almost heated conversation <laughs> because she's right in the middle of a very difficult second year doctor you know, in long hours and uh, the management always asking him to do extra. So she had some very interesting things to say. So I said, I'll listen to my sermon and we'll talk about it again. But there needs to be some qualifiers, isn't it? Because when it says, slaves submit to your masters, we cannot carry that across literally because we are not in a slave-master relationship. Modern employment law protects the rights of employees and it should be accessed. You know, if you need to access employment law and you're a Christian, you do it. <laughs> the threshold needs to be high, but you don't stay in a toxic environment or a dead-end job or an unfulfilling job just because you're a Christian. If we had time, it would be interesting to have a look at what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he also tells the slaves to submit to their masters, but then he adds, if you have the opportunity to get free, then take it. Seize it with both hands and become free. And I think the application there for Christians today is you don't have to stay in a dead-end job or a toxic position. You can take your freedom. After prayerful consideration, you can move from one job to another if the job is difficult, unfulfilling, dead end. However, think about this. It may be that you're in a difficult work situation because God is calling you there to make a difference. God is calling you there to, to nudge the toxic Uh, environment into a more healthier situation and God wants you there maybe to support colleagues who are going through difficult times. See Jesus wants us to be salt and light in the workplace whether it's in a, in a, a job where you enjoy, where you have a good and considerate boss but Jesus also wants us to be salt and light in difficult situations. Maybe that's an employment that is far from the best. However as we look to Jesus as we ask his Holy Spirit each day to help us to be the best workers we can, as we submit, respect, and bear undeserved suffering, Jesus can make all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, not all of us are in the workplace, but we can remember when we were, and we certainly have family members, Lord, that are in the workplace, and some of them are struggling. And so we pray, Lord, for those folk that are in the workplace and that it's so difficult and maybe it's toxic, maybe the boss is harsh. We pray, Lord, that you will give them strength and wisdom. Give them wisdom to know whether it's time to leave or whether it's your call for them to stay and be salt and light. And all these things, Lord, teach us what it means to, to submit, to respect, and to bear suffering, especially undeserved suffering, as Jesus did. We pray this through Christ our Lord. I mean,